How you doing everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Manual Override. We are here in the Upper Room Studios uh, with myself, Andrew, and Rob. We are talking about something really interesting today. Uh, it's a pretty niche topic and um, uh, we have a special guest here to help carry this discussion. Hello, my name is Matt. And uh, we're going to talk about um, a, little, a few different things. We're going to talk about some conspiracy. We're going to talk about bloodlines. We're going to talk about... Magic. Magic. Um, but this is more like in relation to spiritual topics and... Which was our last topic. Yeah. So magic as a tool of the, tool of the devil and um, how that is embedded in a lot of occult practices... Um, and that gets into the Antichrist and bloodlines. So we got a really interesting topic dis- for discussion today. Um, take it away, guys. So tonight I was thinking we would start with a few clips I found um, that might <clears throat> segue into a few different topics. The first one was... Um, so one clip uh, is a Greg Reese clip. He's with uh, InfoWars, and he breaks down a little bit of the Princess Diana... Um, assassination, as he would put it, and how that is tied to uh, occult sacrifice. Okay. And we see this, I think, who was I talking to about this a little bit earlier today, how we sometimes see this with celebrities. Mm-hmm. I think it was you and me. People close to them die, uh, yep. and sometimes this is a form of furthering their career. Yeah. Um, someone just mentioned this with the recent, uh, what was it, the Grammy? Someone mentioned their. It was actually on a Revelations Radio News podcast, but they were talking about um, the mention of this. This I forgot who was the the backup sing, the singer with Sam Smith. It was a transgender. I, I honestly don't know. I, I didn't I, watch it. Well, he he she mentioned a um, <laughs> mentioned someone canceled who, someone who died uh, a year ago, and they they were talking about that idea. Um, so that's our, one of our clips, and we're probably going to go through that, and we'll have some commentary. The other clip, much shorter, is from uh, James Corbett, who a lot of people know in the truthers community. He's just an amazing journalist, um, and I really recommend people share his stuff widely <laughs> and take a look at it. Um, but he's interviewing someone back in 2010 called uh, Fly Freeman, um, and he, I don't know much about him. He's not a Christian. He, it's an interesting podcast because his father was a Freemason and he's done a lot of research into that because he didn't join that. So he says, but yeah. it's a very interesting, he says some interesting stuff. And What's I, his name? I, I think it's Freeman Fly or Fly Freeman. Okay. Again, kind of an interesting name itself, but, um, so I have a little bit from his, and he talks about yeah. Solomon and sigils and the art of magic, and I thought that might segue. So yeah. anything else you guys want to share, or, or do you want to jump right into the clips? Um, Let's jump in. We could jump in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I You mentioned something that's pretty interesting, the sacrifice that people have to make to gain power. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a pretty interesting clip, and this is this is from a... Gen Z YouTuber, right? Mm-hmm. His name is David Dobrik. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Ah, maybe. He was talking on a podcast with his friends about... Um, he's he's like this really popular... He was into... I think he got popular YouTuber, on Vine. Right? Yeah, he was on Vine for a while when that was a big thing. And now he's mm-hmm. um, on YouTube and stuff. And kind of in the same vein as like... Uh, oh, 
I can't think of the guy who Jay, uh, Logan Paul. Jay yeah, Paul. Logan Paul. Those those guys, those clowns. Um, anyways, David Dobrik was talking about one of his roommates who mm-hmm. she was. I don't know someone who lived in his apartment building. Really fascinating clip. How uh, this girl was trying to become an actress, and someone approached her, like this guy in a suit, said, "We can make you famous." But you have to you have to sacrifice someone. Oh, and she told her mom about it, and her mom was like, "I'll do it. I'll, I will sacrifice myself if you want." Like, and, and like you got. I can I can link this clip in the description. Interesting. It's really fascinating. We should get some it's show like, notes. It's like together. just a little. Mm. It's like a little uh, vignette, a little view into uh, really what goes on behind the scenes, how people get power, how people are promoted. It's not just algorithms, right? Algorithms on YouTube promote certain certain keywords or phrases, but then there's also like people that are chosen to be a figurehead for these sorts of hmm. things. And it's just really that's that's just an aside, but let's uh, um, at some point we'll get a show notes thing going and we'll yeah. we'll, we'll link that. Okay. All right, so Matt, do you have anything to say or do you want to jump into the clips? Let's jump right in. Okay. All right. So for those listeners out there who don't know what sigils are or examples of them, maybe you could describe a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, The curious thing is you bring up the concept of magic and immediately people shut down. We're not conditioned for this except for concepts of Harry Potter or, you know, bewitched back in the day. Uh, So when you start to look into the true mystery schools and the ancient arts of magic that have been passed through millennia, you know, back to ancient Egypt, back to, uh, to Judaism. There were talismans, there were signs and symbols, there were geometric patterns that could be used to manipulate the universe. This is what was believed. Now, the pentagram was one of the main ones of these sigils, and especially when we start talking about King Solomon's magic. When you look into the pentacle of, of King Solomon, it's a pentagram. Uh, this is actually a sigil of, of spirit over matter. So you have the four points with the one point uh, signifying the spirit over matter. But what we find is that these magicians have a very elaborate, very detailed knowledge of signs and sigils into the other dimensions that they would use to invoke or evoke particular what they call daemons, genie, or demons, and even angels. And so there was a whole form of magic uh, created by John Dee, the queen sorcerer, who was connected to Enochian magic and speaking to different archangels. Most of the magic that you'll see practiced today is, is in connection with archangels. And so there's a whole angelic script that will actually outline different beings in this other realm. And King Solomon, he did very much the same thing in creating 72 sigils to bind spirits and then one major sigil to bind them all. And he tried to control different demons or daemons to use them for his own will. And actually, the the Bicentennial Mall in Nashville is is an exact replica of the Seal of Solomon to bind spirits, only made into an architectural form. Did that answer the question? I, I think so. So, so how did that uh, project work out for him? For Solomon? Yes. Uh, it was trouble. Uh, the <laughs> keeping those things bound was, was seemed to be something that was he could not control. We find that Solomon was a worshiper of Shamash, which is kind of a Sumerian Jesus character. 
And he also worshipped uh, Asherah, which is our goddess Ishtar, which is the goddess Columbia now in America. And he also worshipped Molech, who is that bull god that most think is the one they worship at Bohemian Grove with the owl. But uh, Molech is, of course, a bull that they used to bur burn bodies to. So there was a lot of ritual, a lot of work that goes into ritual. And it was really the place of the elite, the rich, those that could afford all of the uh, accompaniments that go along with performing a ritual. So uh, it, it takes a lot, a lot to do these type of works that, that we're talking about. When Isaac Bonowitz began to study magic and became the only um, academically accredited magician getting a, a degree in magic from Berkeley, just to give you an idea of how real magic can be produced and, and made. He designed a magic machine or a psychic machine. And it, it, when he described it 25 years before Harp's creation, it is Harp to a T, using electromagnetic frequencies to create magic. So when you start to look, you start to realize that this electromagnetic frequency spectrum actually is uh, the mag magical tool then you start to see how concepts like Ghostbusters, where they built the building to uh, bring down certain souls, can actually be real. Now, you go to Freemasons, and you will find that they, when they, when they do the cornerstone laying ritual like they did on 9-11-1941 on the Pentagon. A Freemason will be standing there with his top hat, just as George Washington did on 10-13 for the White House. And they will perform a ritual that is to call upon entities to come down into the building. Now, there was one Freemason. I'm trying to think of it. It was Laplongeon or uh, uh, I can't think of which Mason it was. But he, he got all upset. He wrote a whole book about it because Masons were doing the rituals improperly and calling upon uh, spirits of chaos into their building and he actually had to go around and and recall the different entities and redo the the cornerstone rituals in order to bring the right entities pretty interesting stuff right there do you guys have any thoughts there's a lot there to cover um i think when people start talking about magic and sigils and things like that it really just kind of the, the conversation just goes you're crazy you know mm -hmm. like people just shut down or you know, they write it off as lunacy, something like mm -hmm. that. I, I do want to make one point. You know, it, <clears throat> it is interesting. This guy's in a Christian and, you know, talking to archangels. What's his name again? Uh, Fly Freeman. Okay. Freeman Fly. I forgot. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, again, demons pretending to be angels of light. You know, I yeah. forgot what verse discusses this. It's in one of the letters. Um, but, you know, we do see here that magic is a science. Again, we I think we see this with, I believe it was Jack Parsons in the early rocketry program with a lot of his rituals and magic. Um, and I'd say MKUltra with the German, the Nazi scientists coming over into MKUltra and NASA. I believe a lot of their uh, projects had to do with... with um, <laughs> Had to do with... <laughs> magic um and so i don't know i didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on on that well yeah um a little bit i mean we believe in a spiritual realm as christians so when we're talking about magic we could be talking about a couple of different things we could be talking about the holy spirit uh 
we could be talking about demonic things. Like, if people see something as magical, like, as Christians, we need to discern what the source of that power is. Oftentimes, when people are talking about sigils, it's demonic. Like, God doesn't use sigils. He doesn't need them. Um, Which witchcraft? Yeah, is witchcraft. But, I, I mean, it's interesting, like, the word sigil comes from the Latin um, signum, and it's it's like an identifying mark. Mm. So it's like if you see certain crazy symbols in um, Which movies was the whole or, point. Yeah, that movies was the whole point. or TV shows, like that's the demon's mark. Like you see, uh, what was the TV show? I think there was, there's a Netflix uh, version of Sabrina that came out a few years ago. I didn't watch it, <clears> but <throat> even just like in the preview on Netflix, really demonic stuff. And yes. you can see like they have like these rituals laid out on, you know, like, they're performing these rituals, and they have all these sigils, like, mm-hmm. written on the ground and inscribed. Like, these are demons calling cards, right? That's where mm-hmm. they get their power. That is, that's what a sigil is. Like, the reason people mm-hmm. say that the sigil has power is because there's a demonic entity. Like, that's the demonic entity's calling card. It's interesting because, again... I mean, especially with Netflix. My goodness, you're right. There's so many shows that have... They're not even subtle. No, it's it's, it, it, it's in your face. Yeah. It's actually just kind of sickening seeing some of the stuff that's uh, promoted to kids and to young adults. TV shows. It, it's just... It's a joke. I look at some of these and I don't even... I, wa- I actually watched through a show called The Order or something. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Did you see that? That came out a couple years ago. Yeah, I didn't did. watch the show. I saw a preview for it. I was like, this is... I, this is literally... The Illuminati cult. Like, it had exactly, the all-seeing yeah. eye, it had the secret society, it had the blood rituals, it had, you know, the, like, the skull and bone sort of, you know, it had, it satanic had... death ritual. Like, we are sounding so far out there, like Alex Jones right now, or, you know, no, it, like that. But, but it's... This it, is real stuff. It, it's right there in the show. They're literally, oh, we're going to go to the cloak and dagger, you know, uh... A bar, or you know, there's a gol. My roommate's a sand golem with with a name in Hebrew written on his head, and he's trying to kill me. Like these are literally in the show. Really? Yeah. And oh, how do you want to die? You use this evil magic, and like it, it's just like, you know. And and I was like, this is d- disgusting. Yeah. And I stopped. And I just was like, why, why am I even watching? Yeah. This? It's just mm-hmm. this is a joke. Like you don't like need this to take is this is trust. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm watching the trailer on mute right now. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's trash. It's all trash. It's but just it's not even just Netflix though. It's also like Barnes and Noble. You know, you can't even go in there. Like you can't go in there without seeing books on magic or Wiccan or mm-hmm. you know all these things that teach people how to practice these things. Yeah. And it's not a joke. Yeah. This is stuff that Scripture tells us explicitly. To stay away from Witch, witchcraft. I mean, and this is this is the thing. I wait. I'm, oh, go ahead. So, like, the reason we're supposed to stay away from this stuff, right, is because it's an alternative source of power, and that's what the sigil mm-hmm. is. It's like you can get power from it. Yeah, it's real. Magic is real, but it's demonic in origin. That's mm-hmm. the source of the power, and it's not as good, not even close, as Christ. Exactly. Like the the authority that we have in Christ. We're, we're redeemed, we're born again, and there's so much more to it. We're not e- like we can't even fathom how much God has for us, like not just in eternity, but also I think this side, mm-hmm. like He is so good, He's so merciful, He's so gracious, mm-hmm. and He has freed us from sin, and 
redeemed us. Like there's that that is power in and of itself. Like you can't get that with a demon. You can't get that with a sigil. And so like that's just an aside. But well, I mean, and to not you know stop it there. It's it's so right. It's like when you want to live in the flesh, when you want to serve yourself, when you want to be your own god. These demons are there for you. Sure, we'll help you achieve that goal because they know where they're going and they know where you're going. And so whatever you want on this earth that's not God, that's not Christ, and if you do what we want, which mocks God to kill people, to harm children, go ahead. Yeah, so like, I mean, that is, you made an interesting point. They know where they're going. And they want to get you to go where they're going because mm-hmm. they don't like God and they, they hate everything that has his identifying marks on it. Mm. And, uh, you know, whether that's marriage or the family or Christians or the church, like they hate it all. They want to see it destroyed. And the reason, like in scripture, the reason we're told not to, to tamp, to, to, um, I can't think of the word. Not to fool around with this sort of thing mm-hmm. is because it's dangerous and it will it will destroy us. Mm-hmm. Like it if we give ourselves to this sort of demonic power, these sigils, this magic, this, you know, witchcraft, it will destroy us. It will steal yeah. our souls. Yeah. Um or in a sense we give ourselves to that and we sacrifice ourselves, our life, our soul, our eternity. You know, we could we could be in heaven with Christ. We could, we could, um, we have that, but you can't have that if you give yeah. your soul to a demon. I, I think what's interesting though is, in America, we are we are subtly more open to magic. But even when I was growing up, I just think of how it's funny. Look at the Grammys, right? Clear, clearly the Satanism is all over the place and people are like, oh, they're only doing that because Christians told the, the homosexuals that's where they're going, so they're just playing on that trope. And the reality is, no, we've been pointing out the ritualistic nature of the music industry for years. Yeah. Look at the Vigilant Citizen articles going back, what, 10 years? Mm-hmm. And so this isn't anything new, number one. Number two, we still pretend to believe in naturalism. Oh, we evolved from apes. Oh, we're going to merge ourselves with AI. We're just robots, machines. Everything's by chance. You really believe that? Because the people putting these shows together don't. They clearly don't believe it. Yeah. This, this is, like, it's just funny. There was a video I want to play, but it's like, and I forgot who said this, but it's like, why is rebellion against God and Christianity and the normal family the cool thing to do? Yet all the people promoting that, you know, that, that all these, you know, young people follow after, they're all... They all seem to be following after the bad guy of the Christian religion, Satan. You know, it's like all the people that rebel against religion and are out there, out there talking about it, they also seem to be hanging, you know, yeah. giving their, their allegiance to the Christian bad guy. It just, yeah. it just again, it doesn't, it's like people are, are so so blinded by that. Yeah. Um, and again, magic being a real thing, being witchcraft. And, and if you... Um, yeah, it the, is witchcraft. The, the Revelations Radio guys, uh, again, another podcast I recommend people listen to, but they, they made a comment, um, or they were quoting someone, it's like, if you brought anybody from the 1400s, 1700s, and you, and you brought them to a concert, or like some of these award ceremonies, and they saw the dancing and the lights and the smoke, 
what do you think they, they'd say? Are they are they doing a They're ritual? Or are they, yeah, it's like are yeah. they dancing Pagan to their ritual. god? It, I thought that was an amazing an amazing you know kind of a comparison comparison. So, yeah. um, do you guys want to jump into that next clip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Twenty-five years ago, Princess Diana's car crashed inside the Pont de la Alma tunnel in Paris, France. Her lover, Dottie Fayed, died upon impact along with the driver. And even though Diana survived, it took about 40 minutes to get her from the car to the ambulance. The official story was that they were trying to free her from the car. But several witnesses say that Diana was conscious and unobstructed. Photographs show that the back seat of the car was undamaged and witnesses were pleading with the police to open the door and help her. Once in the ambulance, it took about 40 minutes for them to choose a hospital. And when they finally set off, the ambulance drove at a snail's pace and made several stops, taking about 40 minutes to drive less than four miles. Doctors were turned away. Witnesses were strip searched. Cameras were confiscated. No evidence was gathered. No blood samples were taken. And by 3 a.m., the entire scene was sprayed down with high-pressure water hoses. Mercedes wanted to study the wreckage to see why it failed so badly, but they were denied. Diana's body was taken by the royal family, who had her reproductive organs removed before burying her remains. All 17 cameras along the route of the crash were mysteriously turned off, and all radio police frequencies went down. Witnesses were assaulted and threatened, and there was no investigation. Not until the inquest, 10 years later, which is when most people learned that Diana had penned a note in 1996 saying that someone was going to kill her in a car accident. This note was concealed for six years. At the inquest, experts agreed that Diana would have survived if they had gotten her to a hospital. But the blame was put upon a military-style attack. According to witnesses, a group of motorcycles, along with a white Fiat Uno, worked in concert to crash the car. First, with a blinding flash of light, followed by an explosion from the front tire of the Mercedes. During the inquest, a former MI6 agent described being shown the very same plan in 1992 for a possible MI6 assassination of Slobodan Milosevic and claimed it was MI6 who killed Diana. Because of all this, the inquest ended with the verdict of unlawful killing, blaming her death on the mysterious military hit squad. But the mainstream media spun the entire thing to make it sound like it was the paparazzi that caused her to crash, which is demonstrably false. And while there was no investigation into finding the members of this military hit squad, Three years later, the alleged driver of the white Fiat, who had ties to MI6, reportedly committed suicide after being found shot twice in the back of the head and burned inside of his car. During the inquest, many things... Can I just say, that is hilarious. That That is in the official story that people say this, this guy committed suicide... By shooting himself twice in the back of the head and lighting his car on fire. That, like, if you believe that, there's there's not a lot of hope to convince you about anything serious. Like, we can keep going, but that was just, that, I, I gotta yeah. laugh at that. Yeah. 
were kept from the jury, such as the fact that Diana's seatbelt was found to be defective and evidence of the car being sabotaged. Interestingly, these things would have brought more suspicion towards Dottie's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who, after turning down repeated offers from the French government to provide security, was solely responsible for Diana's security detail. And at the last minute, had them leave their security detail in front of the hotel as a decoy and take a different car, a car that was recently stolen, broken, repaired, and never checked by security. Left with only one security guard, they were also assigned a new driver. Henri Paul, who had no chauffeur permit, was tied to foreign intelligence services, was seen on camera signaling to someone just before setting off, had received over 50,000 francs the day of the crash. And this was all under the watch of Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was deeply connected to the intelligence community. He was business partners with one of Lee Harvey Oswald's handlers and represented the grandfather of Mohammed Atta. But none of that was mentioned during the inquest. Instead, with the help of pop culture agents such as Howard Stern and Piers Morgan, Mohammed Al-Fayed has provided the world with the cover story that Diana was pregnant with Dottie's child and Prince Philip had her killed because he's racist. Which seems like a strange cover story. That is, if you don't realize that the entire thing was a satanic ritual. Rituals are meant to be witnessed, and the death of Diana is steeped in satanic ritual. The royal family, originally known as the Sachs coburg gotha bloodline, changed their name to Windsor to sound more British. Their inbred family is traced back to Vlad the Impaler, otherwise known as Dracula. And with several proud Nazis in the family, including Prince Philip, the royal family is obsessed with pagan ritual and all things occulted. According to the carefully planned breeding of royal bloodlines, the marriage between Diana and Charles was for the Merovingian ancestry of Lady Diana to be seeded into the royal family. Diana was well aware of this and referred to herself as the Windsor Broodmare. They were married at St. Paul's Cathedral, owned by the royal family and built upon the site of a Roman temple dedicated to the goddess Diana. According to occult beliefs, the goddess Diana was Lucifer's consort, and on August 13, 1313, they produced a magical daughter named Aradia. In Freemasonry, this same trio is known as Osiris, Isis, and Horus. This same ritual is shown in the Roman Polanski film Rosemary's Baby, where the innocent virgin is unknowingly recruited by a satanic cult to mate with Lucifer and spawn a child. After the birth of Prince William, Diana became a threat to the family. She had major influence and used it to shine a light on the family's powerful interests, such as the endless war machine. Her life was being threatened, and she told several friends that the family was going to kill her. Less than a month before her death and after a series of affairs, Diana started seeing family friend Dottie Fayed. And on August 31st, the satanic ritual sacrifice date for the goddess Diana, Diana of Wales was driven out of the way past an ancient Egyptian obelisk and into a tunnel named in dedication to the goddess Diana. Inside this tunnel, Diana's Mercedes crashed into the 13th pillar, 
where she was kept to bleed to death above a known ancient Merovingian underground chamber for the ritual blood sacrifice worship to the goddess Diana. This is the religion of the world's elite. Prince Philip said he would like to be reincarnated as a deadly virus to wipe out humanity. His underling, Maurice Strong, co-founded the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. And Prince Charles, who brags of being related to Dracula, co-founded the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Initiative. These are the leaders of the so-called New World Order. These monsters are the best that they have. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. So we can, right. yeah, we can link that that clip in the description um, to go check that that video link out yourself. That is, there's a lot there. It's really kind of dense, and there's a lot of context. So why don't we get into that? Hmm. Matt, do you have any any thoughts off the top of your head? Ooh, there's a lot there. Um, so let me just give a brief intro to how I even um, became aware of this Merovingian Diana. Mm -hmm. uh, like the the blood bloodline. Blood yeah. So, in but before we start, um, and that was kind of the key with this video is we really saw that uh, Diana, her and talk about that she was she was brought into this certain family <coughs> because of her bloodline was yep. married in. And then we maybe suspect she started to become an issue. And again, getting into maybe satanic sacrifice ritual, there's, there's these kinds of themes. But we wanted to talk about the bloodlines here of maybe the Merovingians um, and this kind of stuff. So, so go ahead from, from that point. Yeah, so um, uh, in 2013, uh, the Lord started waking me up to the realities of uh, what Satan is doing in the world and what he's done in the history of the world um, because I started getting really interested in learning the truth because I had a feeling that you know textbooks things that we learn that society commonly accepts as truth mm. could be more to it maybe we're being lied to or there was deeper truth there mm -hmm. so I began to learn about the Illuminati um, and the bloodlines going back to antiquity that the current Alum Illuminati um, adheres to through blood, uh, the mystery religions, and the, the sorcery slash witchcraft slash power that they still pass down to the new generations today. Mm. Um, there, Fritz Springmeier is a wonderful resource to look into. He's probably the considered the the pioneer and the leader of research in Illuminati history. He's a born again believer, and I've come to find that he's a very wise and authentic man. Mm. Um, but again, you know, do your own research, look into him. Yep. I've actually checked out some of his work before that, that you sent me. So. Yeah. So, there are, from his writings, there are considered to be 13 main bloodlines. I'm going to list them off to you here. So, there is uh, the Freemans, 
the Onassis, DuPont, Reynolds, Kennedy, Rockefeller, Rothschild. Um, let's see, let's see, what, what else is there? Keep going. Um, so I can't remember right off the, the top Mar of Mar my Mar head. Yep, the but one. the main ones are Rothschilds, Rockefeller, and the 13th is the Merovingian bloodline. Hmm. And all of those 13, those 12 bloodlines are also interbred and related to that 13th hmm. Merovingian. Okay. So I think some people might recognize some of those names, like Reynolds, you know, famous mm -hmm. actors, um, DuPont, uh, things like that. But Rockefeller. Um, yeah, Rockefeller, Rockefeller sure. Bank, um, all these kinds it's of interesting. Things. You mentioned Freeman. That was the first one. That's that guy's name. I know, it? Freeman Fly. Freeman, the guy who's into witchcraft and sigils and stuff like that. So there's, there's, that's an interesting connection. And his father was a you know, leading member in a Masonic yeah. temple doing the rituals. Yeah. He claims that he... You know, he wasn't initiated into that, and he's friends with a lot of them. But again, he's not a Christian, and he kind of is just a observer. Observer. He yeah. he talks to people about it. He's clearly not in favor of it. And I, again, if you listen to that podcast with James Corbett, yeah. he does talk about how they are doing rituals. I mean, that's what all, a lot of this stuff is, and they know how to do it, when to do it, what to call upon. Um, so anyway, but yeah, yeah let's. Yep, so it, it's all drawing my memory here. So the 13 lines are the Astor bloodline, the blood, the Bundy bloodline, the Collins bloodline, another, yeah. the DuPont bloodline, the Freeman bloodline, the Kennedy bloodline, the Lee bloodline, which is based out of Asia, the Onassis bloodline, the Rockefeller bloodline, the Rothschilds bloodline, the Russell bloodline, and the Van Dyne bloodline. Mm. And the 13th being the most important to them is the Merovingian bloodline. So how do those relate to each other and relate to this topic and world control and what was God showing you in those those early years? So what I was what I was learning is that these main 13 bloodlines they go back to antiquity. They go back to Babylon, mm -hmm. the Egyptians, the ancient Greeks, Persia, and going back even further to Nimrod himself, hmm. and I personally believe Cain. Cain. I, I've heard this before from, from others. So, <clears throat> the first group, the first occult group ever formed was from Cain, the Brotherhood of the Snake. Yes. So, I, in my belief, I that based on what I've read and research, you know, go do the research for yourself. Brotherhood of the Snake, stemming from Cain and his group, s launched all of it. I, I want to second that. I, I believe I'm getting this right, but um, one of the professors, I, th I think it was one of my, the professors at the seminary I'm going to, Schaefer Seminary, I think it was Charlie Clef, but he has a, a class called Christian Framework, but he, I, I believe, I think it was him, I could be mistaken. He mentions exactly that, how witchcraft, or maybe it was a different professor from Schaefer, but they were talking about how Cain um, is the origin of witchcraft. The beginning of witchcraft and a cult does start with Cain and into Babel, 
um, and through the ages. I, I believe it was him. It might have been someone else, but but I, I do. I wanted to say that I, I have heard that from from different. Yeah. Uh, and scholars. and Genesis doesn't specifically say that Cain got into witchcraft and mm -hmm. all that. Um, but you can see in Genesis, him himself and his offspring, they had significant impact to society and spreading across the world and um, establishing. Cities, cities, yeah. Um, organizations, everything. Now, it may not be good for everyone to do this, but what the Lord had me do was because he knew I had the understanding to not take in the occult writings as gospel truth. Mm -hmm. I recognized that this was evil and of the devil and mm -hmm. that. But there is some truth to what they say when they go back through their lineages. Mm. Now, their, their rituals and how they portray what you're supposed to do, you don't need to know, you don't need to get into that, it's all evil. But they do have... From a historical point. His, yes, historically, historically. That was the only reason why I bothered to even read through some of that stuff. Mm. They claim that Cain was the father of the occult, and through his line came... Uh, Nimrod. Nimrod is a very important piece mm -hmm. to the current uh, elite occult as well. Mm. Okay, and so that so again, these these people claim when you read their works, their their books, their occult writings, um, that they trace their lineage back to Nimrod and Cain. And so, how does that play out through the years still to today? And how, why, what are they doing? You know. Is this a way of consolidating power, magic, uh, information, control? All of the above. Mm. And uh, Nimrod was, he established the first one world government, one world system. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. And according to them, the bad guy, uh, Jehovah, he threw a monkey wrench on all of that. But they're trying to bring that vision and reality back. To today. Yep. And in Revelation, we see that there will will be a one-world government mm -hmm. led by a Nimrod-like figure. The Antichrist. So can you talk about Nimrod and, uh, like, who he was, why he was important, and how... Because you say all these, all these names tie back to antiquity, and it seems like all roads lead to Babylon and Nimrod. So can you explain why he's an important figure? Yeah, so... <clears throat> Cause like I don't know, like some of yeah. this stuff is is new to me. I'm not super familiar with it. So if you could just our, explain our, it, like yeah. I'm four. So all of the modern occult and even uh, the occult going back a few thousand years is all originated from the Babylonian magic. And let me just define occult. Occult is hidden. It means like hidden yeah, knowledge. knowledge, but it's yeah. passed down yeah. to people they deem worthy to learn this knowledge, or blood offspring. Mm. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. So right. this stuff is the same old, same old. I know, yeah, it really is. Now there's a, a few different views on who Nimrod was. One view is that he was just a man, and he was a powerful leader, and he decided to build this tower from brick and mortar that would reach the heavens. There's other views where he actually was a Nephilim being, mm -hmm. uh, based out of Genesis 6. 6 uh, yeah. Yep. Now, I've looked into both theories. 
I'm still kind of on the fence about it, so I'm not going to tell you exactly what I think he was. Mm -hmm. All we know is that he was a powerful leader. Uh, he was very much against God. He opposed God, and he wanted to dominate the known world. Hmm. There's a, uh, there's an interesting pseudopigrapha, pigraphal, pseudopigraphical, pseudopigrapha. It's it's like a, <laughs> it's yeah, spurious. It's, a, it's like a, you know alleged biblical writing that's not in the Bible, but it's like mm -hmm. supposed to be from Bible times. The I think it's the book of Noah or something like that mm, yeah. talks about um, the account between Nimrod and Noah. Mm. So after the I flood, heard of this. yeah. So after <laughs> yeah. the flood, it's it's a cool legend. I don't take it as you know gospel truth certainly, but mm. it's just interesting to hear this sort of sort of testimony. Basically, Nimrod approaches. Noah after the mm -hmm. flood after society's set up and he's got you know mm -hmm. his his kingdom he comes to Noah who's like basically got his vineyards and his you know farm he's living peacefully in the country and he mm -hmm. says hey I want you to worship me and <laughs> Noah looks at him he's like are you insane like I lived through the worst thing in the human history that destroyed all society and now you want me to start sinning by worshiping you a man That's he's like funny. absolutely not and Nimrod was upset, and so, like, he had his men attack Noah's camp, right? Because he had, like, a you know, sure. an, an encampment of some sort. Well, legend has it that Noah actually, like, used giant lizards to attack. You know, like, the young earthers would be like, dinosaurs! And I think that's pretty cool, but, like, mm -hmm. basically, a bunch of Nimrod's men got eaten by these giant dinosaurs. And it, I don't know, it's like, it's, <laughs> I'm that's, it now, that's like, the only thing I know about Nimrod. Other than what the biblical account says, interesting. Yeah, another um, another uh, book that talks about Nimrod was the Book of Jubilee and uh, Book of Jasher. Mm. Um, now it it talks about the same account that Genesis does. Mm. How he had a, a tower, everybody was united with one language, a global system was being established. But Jasher and Jubilee go into how uh, Esau, um, Esau from Jacob and Esau, Esau actually, now I'm not saying this is completely true, mm -hmm. Esau beheaded Nimrod. Esau was out hunting and saw uh, Nimrod out with his men. Mm -hmm. And he assassinated Nimrod. And he was in such a rush because he was fleeing for his life when he came back to the camp uh, with Jacob, he sold him, he gave up his birthright to Jacob because it's pretty much like, what what birth, like, this is no good to me now. Like, I'm about to die. I'm being chased. Uh -huh. I need sustenance. Well, the timing seems a little, you know, Nimrod coming before. I mean, I mean just in sequence of events. I mean, these things weren't... Um, the, so I mean, Jacob and Esau came later in the. I mean, at least in the biblical record, they'd come, sto they so, come later. But if is there overlap? So what's that? interesting is that Jubilee is never mentioned in um, the books mm -hmm. and scriptures we hold to be uh, canon mm -hmm. and God inspired. But Jasher is mentioned by David. I think I've seen that reference. So, like, he goes, is it not written in the book of Jasher? Like, basically, Jasher was 
a historical book, an account of what happened with the Israelites. Mm, interesting. Hmm. So when we look at these, how do you pronounce it? The pseudo pseudepigraphical. Uh, yeah, we don't hold this as Holy Spirit, God breathed scripture. I I view it and take it in as history, historical sure. writing. Sure. It's a it's a it's something you can you know glean. Right. It, it gives context. It gives a little more detailed insight into what the God inspired book of Genesis broadly goes over. Yeah. But even I. I kind of agree. I kind of push back, and mm-hmm. I like. I think there's levels to it. I think some of them are more historically accurate. Some of them are yeah, less of historically accurate. But then there's also like, how do we know they didn't just use the title Jasher and attributed it to a much later book? You know, it's like, yeah, of course. That that's one concern that I have. Oh, but let's let's tie back in to lineages, blood, yeah, yeah, bloodlines, blood <clears throat> Nimrod, bloodlines, Babylon. So, so we have the big picture being, we see that, you know, God has confounded the languages of Babel when man has, you know, made up in his mind one thing, nothing that they, God says, nothing that they, you know, put their minds to, would yep, be impossible, would be out of reach. and man is in a fallen, sinful state. He's being, he's, you know, again in rebellion against God, and they are building this one-world government system. God confounds it, and mm-hmm. it was they, not time. It was not time. It was not in the God's youth timeline. And the UN building looks just like, you know, the Tower of Babel. <laughs> the, the, the art of the Tower of Babel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the art. So, yeah, at that, at that point in history, it was not time yet for the world to be totally united and one. Um, but as we know, when you read the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. the world will get to that point. Mm. But yes. what I found, what I connected with is um, with the Tower of Babel, God confounded their language. I uh, threw a monkey wrench in their plans, mm-hmm. and sometimes I wonder if God has done that throughout history mm. of old, when the devil has tried to like um, escalate back. things yeah. and get his plan in place. Um, but we know that there will be a point where um, the devil will have his way with his plans, but God will also in sync with that have his plans because it's all part of the big picture yeah yeah big big plan of the lord yeah why don't i want to get more into i want to talk more about these these bloodlines and these ideas and how i guess how we see it in because we we've heard of names like rockefeller rothschild these things and they're big names and the idea is, you know, there's there's kind of a popular conception of what these names mean, but then there's, like, kind of the reality behind them. And it seems when we look out in the world, it's just like, oh, yeah, these people are philanthropists, philanthropists, and, They're you know... Philanthropists by day, vile Satanists by night. Occultists by night. You, you know, we made this point back in our video, Light and Dark, where we did that yeah. video breakdown of the animated yeah. short film, and... You know, you made that good point, and I think I mentioned it in our last podcast again, because it was the idea of, like, we have dark Satanism, that is the practicing of witchcraft, hidden occult secret knowledge, but then we also have kind of what I think I'm, what I'm seeing now is, and what this other guy, who's not even a Christian, is pointing out in, in that James Corbett interview is, there's the light side of Satanism, 
it's not the ritual sacrifice. It's the you will be like God. It's the it's like the acceptance of ideas that are totally contrary to God, which we're seeing in today's world. We see that um, the 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 uh, war on marriage, family, sexuality, uh, um, roles in in family, in, in all these things, work itself, the concept of work, the concept of government, universal basic income, like all these ideas are eroding society, family, nature, government into a place that not only is preparatory for a one-world government, a one-world religion, economic system, but also it is just making the making society open to what I think is like the New Age religion, the yeah. New Age deception, the um, a, a world that is just the anti-God, anti-the order and idea and ideals of what God has set out so set what, out. what has come to mind throughout the the years i've been looking into this is when you talk about the light and the dark the black white <clears throat> the dark side is the animalistic brutal low of the low beast-like activity that these people are involved in mm -hmm. and that is i personally believe the devil requires his followers to do all of that so that their souls are sold to him they are his mm. and then the lie that he gives them is the light side of it you will be as gods mm. you will reign for eternity with me mm. i will defeat jehovah i will defeat jesus mm. a lot of these a lot of these elite of the elite people mm. they do believe in jesus they do not they do know there is a god but they are so deceived that they think they're on the winning team mm. and that Lucifer somehow is the more powerful being in this universe. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I, I was talking, I heard this mentioned there's levels of propaganda or levels of lies, right? There's base level propaganda, which you see on the TV. Then there's mid-tier propaganda, which you see at like the World Economic Forum. We're going to save the planet. But like, you know, some of those people know, like, well, we're actually just trying to build a better world, and we're really going to have to kill a lot of people, but we believe that's the best thing. But then there's, like, the level beyond that, where it's like, we are bringing in the new age. We are bringing in our our king, which is Satan at this point, you know, in their minds. And it is interesting, the father of lies. Who is the father of lies? And it's just level after level of level of lies on top of lies. Yeah. Yeah. And... And um, you're right, Matt. It's just that, um, what is it? it I, someone said it's like Satan's so deluded he actually believes his own lies. Or, you know, any, any of us. We just, when we, get, <laughs> when we get in the flesh or when we are outside, when we are separate ourselves from God, how easy it is to just believe lies and to mm -hmm. think and to not see reality for what it is. And how much more so with these people who are practicing these rituals, going through these initiations, speaking with these entities these lying spirits right mm -hmm. which they know where they're going you know i just think that that's so profound yeah. you mentioned um lies and large-scale deception mm -hmm. now we can list a few that have occurred in human history evolution being one sure right stem you know atheistic ways of thinking there yeah, is yeah. no god one of the biggest and most important deceptions 
I believe, that is now trickling through mm-hmm. society. And it was really first introduced to the mainstream average Western individual was through the Da Vinci Code. Interesting. The lie that Jesus had offspring and that there's a line of Jesus that will one day produce a world savior. Mm. To me, there's not a lot of focus on it right now. Mm. Mark my words. When, if we see the day where the man of sin is revealed sure. and all of this is coming to light, mm-hmm. okay. that man of sin, the Antichrist, he is good. The, the elites of Israel mm-hmm. and Jerusalem, they're going to be convinced and shown, quote unquote, proof that this man, this man's lineage goes back through the house of David. Okay, yeah, I, w- I would and see that. so yeah. that's where this 13th bloodline, the Merovingian bloodline, ties into it all. Mm. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about, like, what turned you on to this? Like, sure, you absolutely. Mentioned, you mentioned earlier that you were, like, you were interested in truth and <clears throat> conspiracy in, like, 2013. But, like, yep. how did how did you find out about bloodlines and why why are they important? What's your testimony there? Yeah, so I became aware probably in January, February 2013 that there's more truth out there than I know and that I needed to find this truth no matter how scary it was. And I started digging into ba- basic stuff like UFOs, what are aliens, um, CIA, banking systems, all of that. Mm. Then the more I learned, the more I realized that there is no utter hope in this world except through Jesus. And then the Lord really started to work on my heart where I began to realize I was following my own life, my own flesh, my own way of thinking. I was born and raised in a Christian home, but I didn't know Mm -hmm. Jesus personally. I knew about him. And so what helped me was learning about all the darkness and what I was up against. So it's not like that for everybody, but Mm. that's how Jesus told me, you got to come to me. Mm. You got to know me if you want hope and a future. So anyways, I started getting into the more um, spiritual aspect of it all with how, how, what, what does scripture have to say about these things I'm learning? Mm-hmm. And of course, that inevitably led to reading the book of Revelation, the old prophets talking about the last of the last days. Mm-hmm. Because in the con- quote-unquote conspiracy uh, theory <laughs> um, community, yeah. there's a lot of talk about Antichrist, New World Order. Sure. Yeah. And I believe that those terms hold weight when you look through the lens of scripture, through revelation, mm-hmm. they're just called different things, but they're the same okay. thing. Well, the Makes man sense. of sin, yeah, okay. Or man of lawlessness. So one, one aspect of revelation that I believe the Lord drew me to was the figure of the man of sin, mm. which relates to the great falling away, the great apostasy. Sure. Because for some reason, <laughs> God wanted me to learn more about this antichrist figure and how it relates to warning christians and helping to prevent 
um, more numbers from stacking up in the great apostasy, the great falling away. Can you like expand on that a little bit? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, eschatology is important. Yes. So, es yeah, eschatology. When you look into conspiracy theories and all these um, mm -hmm. bloodlines and Illuminati and all that stuff, you gotta look at the Bible. You gotta look at Revelation. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta learn more about who this Antichrist figure is. Yeah. More yeah. dots will be connected through a biblical lens. Of course. Um, so circling back to this Merovingian bloodline, from what I've read and what the Lord revealed to me, I hold the belief that the Antichrist, the man of sin, will come through that 13th bloodline of the Illuminati, the Merovingian dynasty. Now, where did I find that out or learn about that well it was the lord who who originated that thought in my head i had no grasp or desire or understanding of any of this stuff mm -hmm. it sounds crazy but it's true i went to a university called fitchburg state in massachusetts and mid about spring of 2013 as i was trying to like grasp all of this information that i was learning about i had started to pray and fast because this figure the antichrist popped out to me and i read what john said that let the man with understanding let the man with wisdom calculate the number of his name so that told me that god doesn't think it's a bad thing that we're trying to figure out mm more of the deeper truth of where this this man comes from and what revelation has to say mm. you know i'm not doing any date settings or things like that no but you're understanding the i'm trying to of, of this stuff learn more of what god is trying to tell us in arguably one of the most important times in history so i was walking down the hall going to a class i'm probably in my second day in of prayer and fasting and clear as day, the Lord says, Matthew, research Morovi ben Judah. Research about Morovi. Had you heard anything? No. Like, nope. Did you, were you familiar with that? Nope, not like, at all. Not at all. That just like sprung into your like, head out I, of the blue. Yeah, I would have no, like I wasn't thinking about things that were related to it. Just random. And I did a second take and I was like, what? What is that name? And then I prayed about it again and the Lord's like, yeah, that, I'm talking to you, Matt. <laughs> Just trust my, my voice here. And so that night I went home and I hit up YouTube as I usually did because I was still in the, the heat of learning all of this new stuff. And I had a few uh, guys on YouTube I would listen to. And one of them is Shield of the Sun, um, Michael Herr. And he had a video entitled King Arthur. I'm like, okay, this, this is interesting. Is he going to talk about that fantasy legend that so many films have been made about? <laughs> and he started to get into the Merovingian dynasty, the Merovingian line of kings, and how King Arthur was actually a real individual that the Roman Empire blotted out of history. And I'm like, it was a lot for me to take in, but it 
prompted me to start digging deeper. As I say to the audience here, if you hear us talk about things, don't just take it for face value, like look into it. Yeah. There could be more that you learn based off of the, the terms and the things we say. So that's what I did. I started looking into this uh, Morovi guy, King Arthur, Merovingian line of kings. And so where did that lead you? Ten years later, where I am today... I, b I believe wholeheartedly, and again, please do your own research. Don't take this as I'm prophesying to you or giving you the f future. I believe that the man of sin will come through the 13th Illuminati bloodline of the Merovingian dynasty, and it will be a combination of the House of Stuart, House of Spencer, combined with the Frankish line of kings, the Merovingians. And we can get more into mm -hmm. that, but that's where I'm at today. Mm. And so it's interesting that we bring this up because I have seen this, this infatuation with bloodline, keeping magic and secret knowledge in these these families and groups keeping wealth inside mm -hmm. of these groups yep. um, power control and then just seeing the connections through history from all of the uh, important figures from wars to rulers of government to people assassinated um, seeing connections to these families and so we see that you know it seems that Satan has or is working through people families talk about generational sin that was something we were going to talk about at some point too you know storing of generational sin storing up iniquity storing up yep. evil and, and blood or, guilt iniquity yeah those these are really interesting things that we should talk about ultimately leading to who the the, the person that satan himself will inhabit and have his day in the sun so to speak <laughs> before the sun <laughs> comes mm -hmm. back um and so we see that this this stage it's stage setting. We see the stage being set. We see um, kind of the the prophetic timeline, you know, as as we're kind of getting to that crescendo, so to speak, building up to that. Um, yeah, and uh, so to give a little background on this Merovingian line. It was supposedly started by this man named Morovic, or Morove mm -hmm. in French, um, whose father was commonly known as Cla uh, Claudio, Claudio, C-H-O-L-D-I-O. Mm. And th there are some legends surrounding this figure, Morovi, Morovec, Morovi ben Judah. Mm. Some say that he was the offspring from his mother and a sea demon called a, a quinitar, like half man, half bull, hmm. which I would consider a Nephilim. Chimera right? creature. Right, and I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm yeah. still like wrapping my head around it. Hmm. Or he was just an average guy who decided to 
gain power and influence and start his own dynasty. Do do are do any of these people? Um, we talked about King Arthur before, but but did you think that that was part of the Morovian line? Yep, and I I believe that ultimately to the Antichrist the, and, and these kinds of things. The lineage of King Arthur is interwoven with the Merovingian line. And that's where these, that, and that's why this is kind of... Um, right, and not to jump too ahead, but that's yeah. that's why that the devil needed Princess Diana to mm. be, I believe, sacrificed. She comes from the House of Spencer slash House of Stuart, mm -hmm. which goes back to King David himself. Mm. Now here... Here's a lie that they're going to tell you. They're going to say that the offshoot, the offspring from this House of Stuart, House of Spencer, King Davidian line mm -hmm. with the Merovingians, that somewhere Jesus was involved in it. Okay. No. Let's think, let's think about it logically. Jesus had several um, siblings, right? Mm -hmm. um, King... So... so the lie you're going to be told and what you've seen through Da Vinci Code, I think they were trying to send a message to the populace with the Da Vinci Code mm -hmm. and um, Angels and Demons. Yeah, the and Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno. Yeah. That whole idea of the Da Vinci Code wasn't original, wasn't mm. brought to the stage by, what's his name, David something. He's the, the author of Da Vinci Code. Brown. David Brown. No, it goes back to, he got that inf information from the Knights Templar and the Grail lineage that they started. Hmm. He just repackaged it and made it into a, a fantasy book. Yeah. You know? It's still putting the ideas out there. I, I do want to make a quick yeah. comment before we continue, um, just to our audience out there. You know, why the focus on bloodlines? You know what's interesting? Who's who? Wh what other bloodlines do we see in the Bible? Jesus, the line of David, mm -hmm. what, literally all Israel. the way back, it, all the way back to Adam, Noah. Like we see yeah. important key figures. So this idea of lineage and bloodlines is a crucial theme that can be traced through the biblical narrative, ultimately to Jesus, where mm -hmm. we don't see it anymore. At least to my understanding, with the oh. biblical canon, we don't see it. So. Now we're also seeing this happen, again, with the anti-Christ. We see him building his fake, evil lineage. Um, you know. Well, I think, I think lineage is important as a, as a discussion point. Like, why, why do people concern themselves with lineages? Mm -hmm. It's because they want certain claims to authority. Uh, they want like the son of God. Well, you know, yeah, there's that. that but like, claim. from a purely human standpoint, yeah, like the King of England, Prince Charles. Now he's King Charles, right? Mm -hmm. He's yeah, king Lord. because of the authority of his genealogy. Like his birthright is kingship. Well, thank you. So that's that's why it's yeah. important to these people because it comes with a certain power, a certain status, a certain authority that um, they have if they are in this bloodline or if they're part of this cabal so to speak mm -hmm. like bloodlines are like we use the term bloodlines it's genealogy like mm. the illuminati has long histories and genealogies because these mystery religions tie so many things together 
like it goes back centuries at least. You know, it could be could be yeah, long, yeah. could be older. Like, but basically, the whole point of it is is hmm. power claims to authority. That's why they do this. That's yeah. why they're interested in it because otherwise, you know, what do they have? They don't have anything. Yeah. Like literally, they don't have anything. They don't have God. They don't have the Spirit. They don't have redemption. It's it's all this you earth. Know, this, the seas, it's this the, earth. That's yeah. it. They they are this broken world living for the now, living for yeah. the immediate. I, I want to say something. This conversation is really bringing to light com- comments that Jesus statements he makes, like all authority has been given to me or my father if you've seen me you've seen my father you know like thinking of the son of god god as father like again looking at this lineage has brought kind of a new light to the statements jesus has made and how he gives us that he brings us into the family lineage of god i'm just kind of looking at these ideas in a new light where we see satan hijacking mimicking mimicking something beautiful that god is doing but you know what what's interesting on the flip side after jesus uh we don't focus on genealogies christians don't focus Mm. on you know biblical genealogies or tracing our lines back to jesus because we know we're united by the spirit these Mm. guys you know the illuminati the the people the satanists they have to trace their lines back to important figures in history for their power for the you know the authority that the demons gave them or whatever the you know King like Arthur, whatever it is you know, yeah we, King Arthur we gonna... uh, Charlemagne like the sigils that they use like that's why it's important to them but for us we're born again we are part of the family of Christ Christ is our spiritual yeah. head and he is the authority over us he is the one who gives us you know redemption and power in the mm. spirit like we don't need to focus on well my you know. Thirteenth, you yeah. know, grandfather was a Made king a pact of with, uh, Hungary, yeah. or you know, yeah, like we don't we don't focus on that, yeah. and that's the contrast. Like Satan wants to get into the weeds, and yeah, I don't know. That's just a side there's, thought. There's a very much a spiritual component to it as well. So we, so when we were looking at uh, the Bible and the heroes of old, mm-hmm. um, through the Old Testament, King David producing Jesus, we see faith, we see obedience, we see um, there's a spiritual component. Now, there's also a spiritual component to the dark side, Satan's side of it. It's not just um, blood, Hmm. it's also, you mentioned... um, Antiqui- the spirit of antiquity, like blood um, guilt. Um, iniquity, yeah. So something the devil holds very important is the amount of um, corruption, evil, and bloodshed individuals produce. It's like, you kind of see it today in Hollywood. Uh, well, like, you talk, the people say, I sold my soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. And we think it as like, oh, they're just saying that because it's edgy. <laughs> Something the devil has always found important is that to prove allegiance, you need to do what he says to do, and that's usually bloodshed and heinous activity. Hmm. And there's a spiritual aspect to that. It it builds up through the generations. Hmm. If if you believe in generational 
blessings, generational sins, generational curses, or uh, on the, the good side, Jesus' side, generational uh, faith, um, blessing. Um, you see what I'm getting at, Rob? Yeah. 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 No, 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 I do, I do. And we see that, um, number one, Christ can break those things. Absolutely. He does. And it's just interesting to see, like, it almost seems like all the things they have to do, these 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 occult lines and blood, like all the things they have to do that we take for granted. You know, we are given the power, the authority, the 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 spiritual freedom, the freedom, the the spiritual standing with God by faith alone, by no work yeah. of our own. In some way, and, the 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 evil doers, these elite people, they live by a law, they live by a code, they live by rituals, repetition. You know, it, I'm not comparing it to the Old Testament Israelites, but they had to live by a code, by all these laws, a way of doing things every day, every week, every month. Mm. And Christ did away with that, right? Yeah. But these these people on the, the Satan side, they're similar, but they have no freedom. They have to do everything by the book, by the T, by the law, the code, the... The, the orders that Satan gives them. And that's why we see all these these tomes and books compiled of how to do these rituals, how to do these... Yep. Countless volumes. <laughs> and it, it, it's just, it's all witchcraft. And it's and it's amazing because it's like, you know, the, the, the uh, what, are they, what is it, the useless eaters, the rest of us, you know, in their eyes, don't know anything of this, and we don't need to, you know, because <laughs> no. it's like... <laughs> Christianity is so stupid, you know, God. And it's like, well, God's like, it's who is saying this? It's like witchcraft is so dark and evil. And, and, and when all you can encounter is fallen, dark, evil things that want to kill you in the end, if you have the biblical narrative that tells you these aren't like tree spirits, these aren't, you know, things like, like you think of these third world countries with animism, right? Yeah. And they're appeasing gods and goddesses or, or spirits, right? By, like that one story where you know this one tribe in Cambodia couldn't collect more grain or food for more than a day, or else people they, people would start dying. But the missionaries come in and they break that that hold off of them because of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know. So you know, again, there's the ignorant people, right, that don't know how to appease these spirits, and again, they lived under that oppression without Christ. But then we see these bloodlines and these these occult groups that are trying to control or work with these entities. And at the end of the day, the average lay person just needs to say have faith in Christ. We have no ability to interact with that stuff because you're dealing with entities that were depending on your view present at creation or if you believe in in kind of the Nephilim spirits, you know, roaming the earth, you could say at least from Genesis, you know, to the flood period, if you if you subscribe to that, so you're dealing with things that are are way more. They they know how humans act. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Whether a, a whether a fallen angel or a demon, if you want to see a distinction there, however however that works, but um, you know, he, he, as a human who lives what a hundred years at most in, in today's world, maybe more, we don't have the capacity to to understand those things and, and i think when christ when the bible warns us against witchcraft i think it's god's warning saying you there's no way you can 
you can interact with these things. Not only is it good because there's nothing good out there. You should be everything spiritual that you do should be through me. And I and why else wouldn't you? You know, we don't really need to be talking to angels and all these things. But we yeah. literally have God's spirit inside of us, right? And we are given direct access to God through Jesus Christ, who is God and our priest. And He is right now our in His priestly role, interceding before us, praying for the saints, which is us. Yeah. Um, interceding before God as we speak. And we're able to boldly approach him, as it says in Hebrew. So I just think it's amazing that we have all that through faith. Mm-hmm. And, all, and, all, and all, the whole, all the Holy Spirit is pressing on the unbelieving world is just trust. Trust my promise that I have paid, paid your, your guilt, your blood guilt, your sin, whatever it is. And, and we have all, the, we have all yeah, and then so the, the other way is much harder. <laughs> the, the word that comes to mind is it's simple. Hmm. God is asking us to, it, it's simplicity. And I personally believe the, do, the devil doesn't grasp that. Hmm. You know, it, simplicity. I'm not saying like the Christian faith is, obviously there's intricate and hard detailed things. The childlike faith is. It's simple. Yeah. And I think the devil mocks that and doesn't see the power and wisdom in simplicity. The simple gospel. Yeah. You know, to, to try, yeah, to try, trust, trust in my, that I took, I took your penalty of sin. It, it, it's beautiful. It's simple. A child can understand it. The Bible has depths in it that a theologian can get lost in. And yet it's, it's main message is simple enough for a child to understand. And, um, yeah, and I just want to say this, you know, when when you're looking through all of this stuff, it's easy to get caught up in the details, intricacies, and but you have to be careful. You have to just remember that you are a child of God. You are a born-again, saved Christian. It is simple, okay? And I think connecting this to a lot of the, the theology out there, a lot of people get too caught up in all the details and the the orders and the codes and the hmm. quote-unquote laws of thinking to be a good um, theologically sound believer but a lot of it a lot of it is simple hmm. you know and I think the devil likes to confuse people you know does that make sense yeah well well I, I isn't that the whole point of his lies um, I mean, what getting what, yourself to question? Yeah, I'm like, oh, is that really true? Like, what, 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 what he did? Did God Eve? really say? Yeah, that's exactly what came to mind. Did God really say? It, it, it's just so. It, it bewilders me at some point looking out today at our world that has. Which I made a comment to my boss the other day because, like I mentioned, I live with a bunch of Catholics. He's like, "You're Catholic, right?" And I'm like, "Well, no, I'm, I'm Christian. I we I have a lot of good talks with them." And he's like, well, my mother grew up was Seventh-day Adventist. My dad was Jehovah's Witness, and I'm not anything. And, kind of, and I was like, oh, that's, that's a mixed bag right there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, I look out as we throw away God. What fills the spiritual void in today's world? And yeah. we're seeing that the devil... He fills it with all with all sorts of ideas, and and it's interesting listening to that Fried, Freeman Fly guy again to mention him. You know, he says in that podcast, if any of you go back and listen to it, essentially that Jesus is too simple for him. 
I wonder if he's come to faith now. I know that that podcast is like 13 years old at this point. But I, I think that's interesting, especially in the woke, you know, truther community. Yeah. People looking, you know, Jesus is too, you know, Jesus was, was actually, you know, and, and, and he had kids. And he's saying exactly what you were saying, Matt. And it's just like, that. this is the point. They like, turn Christ into a conspiracy. They turn that, they turn Christianity, religion's just yeah. a way to control people. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you get, you get so close. You got so close. <laughs> but well, this but is... Along that note, this is something I want to remind the audience of. Now, I'm personally, I overanalyze. Mm -hmm. I'm very analytical. I like the details. But something through this journey that I've been on the past 10 years, the Lord has always reminded me. It's simple. Follow me. Mm -hmm. Love others. Love him. Love Jesus. Now... So I just want to like caution the viewers or maybe viewers that are very analytical and find themselves getting caught up in the details too much where you're actually distracted from the big picture and of Jesus and his end goal to what we read in the Bible. Hmm. So I just want to preface like what we're talking about, these lineages, the Merovian Merovingian lines and King Arthur and all of this. If you find yourself distracted with that and focusing more on that than Jesus Christ and your relationship with him, take a pause. Yeah. I've had to do that many times in the 10 years of research that I've been doing. So that's that would be the end goal of learning all about this dark stuff and the details. Don't get too caught up into it. Always remember that Jesus is king, you have a relationship with him, and always test what you're learning with the Holy Spirit. What does mm -hmm. God think about this stuff? What is this information material, uh, how does it line up to the mm -hmm. word of God? Yep. Exactly. Before we, we keep talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about, we never really explained the King Arthur connection, and I'm thinking uh, yeah, back. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking back to uh, kind of you were telling me about how King Arthur, his mom met, you know, some sort of, because this might help the, the audience understand. This would tie Diana into yeah. it too. Yeah. Well, you know, why why are they so focused on key figures? And I want you to share that story about King Arthur's mom and the lake and whatever. Because the the key figures in Satanism and Satanic lineage, it, it's similar to how we hold heroes of the faith, heroes of the Bible to a high, high standard and we admire them. It's similar, it's just on the, the yeah. opposite twisted side of things. So according to, now let me preface this, I'm not saying this is the 100% factual truth, but this is just what I've learned from reading the occult writings, writings of People like Aleister Crowley, uh, Merlin, believe it or not, Merlin was a real individual. Um, he was a sorcerer, a witch. This is what they have to say. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is all true. You can't believe things. Yeah. You have to test what these people say and teach with God and the Holy Spirit. Sure. Now, from my experiences... 
the Lord has confirmed some of these things. It doesn't mean that I have to hold it as yeah. truth and I have to f- follow it per se. But he's just been along the way like, yep, yeah, this is true, Matt. This is true. Mm-hmm. Remember, keep your eyes on me. So legend has it, according to these occultists, that King Arthur was born in a lock in the waters. And it kind of brings to mind the whole, like, Winitar mating with Morovec's mother, right? Mm -hmm. There could be some um, Connection. connection through the occult lore and legend. King Arthur was born in a lock with the devil present. King mm-hmm. Arthur, they say that Satan himself bred King Arthur with Arthur's mother in a lock. And when I was reading that, it immediately brought to mind the beast that rises out of the sea. Mm. Now, I personally think that the sea represents nations and tongues and the world, mm-hmm. but I found that connection Ooh, interesting. Ooh, I, I have an interesting point I want to add, but keep going, keep going, yeah. So according to the writings of Merlin and these occultists Arthur Arthur was the offspring of the devil mm-hmm. and according to them the devil told Arthur's mother that your son would one day rule the entire world so like a, a weird twisted um, his descendants yeah it's like a it's like what what God says to David right you know I will bring from your seed and his uh, uh, going back to Abraham it's yeah. exactly a false messiah because yeah, you have a, the human you have the spiritual he's mimicking it is no, it's a, he's a mimicker but that's that's the whole game like from the very beginning God created everything and then Satan came in and tried to destroy it and it's it's like a chess game mm. you know move counter move tit for tat like God does something, Satan corrupts it, and then God says, "Oh, here's a you know Genesis three fifteen. My seed is gonna crush your head." Yeah. And then Satan tries to what? He tries to corrupt humanity through, Gen- and through, through Genesis, Genesis 6, six. You know, through all yeah. that, and then God's counter move flood, but he saves Noah, and you know, so on and, and so Babel. forth. Yep. Yeah, and like, then we see all the the uh, ooh. all the way yeah. up, all the way up to Jesus. There's different, and then. The, yeah. You know, Satan's counter move to Christ is going to be the great deception Excellent. in the Antichrist. Yeah. That's that's what's coming. Mm. The, I, oh man, I have, I, have a com- I think I should save this comment for next or next. When we podcast, get into eschatology, eschatology because it has to do with yeah s- some of that stuff. But but essentially, I'll just say briefly before we continue. You know, I, I was listening to a pastor and he, he says that um, essentially the ant- Satan always has a man in the waiting. Essentially, yeah, I've heard know? that, and and so this kind of sparks that idea again. I don't want to get into that too much. We'll get into it next week, but kind of what you said kind of sparks the idea of like, okay, um, you know, Satan kind of always, you know, because he doesn't know God's timing, but he has his plan, and so um, again, we'll get into that next so, week probably. Yeah, I, I see what you're you're saying here. Um, but I want you to keep going with the King Arthur. The the devil is very much aware of a broad timetable mm-hmm. of God's great plan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of focus on Israel. Mm-hmm. So say when we go back to how the devil was involved with a lot of what a lot of people see as just a legendary fictional character, mm-hmm. King In- Arthur. He knew that 
King Arthur wasn't going to be his man of sin, mm. his world leader. Sure. But he had a long game. Yeah. He knew that he wanted, based off of what we talked about before, blood, mm. guilt, antiquity, you know, power in the lineage of these of the blood. Mm. He knew that this guy, Arthur, his future descendant would one day end up being Satan's man, the world leader. Mm. All right. Yeah. And so this so, is, yeah. So that would be, you know, for talking about genealogies, that's why it's important. So if like, if King Arthur was born partially from Satan's intervention, this is, you know, yep, it's, way again, out there. Spe- sounds, speculation. Sounds, right. Speculation sounds way out there, but that's why it would be important to them to keep track of their bloodline their genealogy, mm-hmm. because it ties right back to that, and it's like this twisted, corrupt, antichrist genealogy. Just like Christ yeah. know, had his genealogy, yeah. they want to do the same I, thing with Satan. And it's it's deceptive. I think this is... I think this is the deceitfulness of sin, yeah. hardening their heart as they pursue this stuff. Like, yeah, I, I I'm just like I have never thought. I mean, just right now, I'm thinking of there are so many. I've never heard this talked about in kind of a mainstream, you know, just from the pulpit, obviously. But, but just think of all the connections, just back to the Bible, like just like obviously this is the inverse of what God is doing. But look at all the connections. We see if if these some of this stuff is true, we see Satan making mimicking the promises of god we see him mimicking the 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 tracing of a genealogy we see this in the bible with christ like it's just mockery copycat false and and it's so interesting because we see a false messiah that the jews will embrace the nation of israel unbelieving israel will believe will will trust at some point but we totally see this like it's the same thing but it's just not it yeah (laughs) go ahead yeah Yeah. well i i mean Talking about this false messiah that the Jews will accept, this does touch in, touch on eschatology, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it pertains to genealogy and like the yep. the tribe of Dan is allegedly the tribe that uh, the Antichrist will okay. come from. We talked about this a little, but I yeah, haven't heard the, the, full... the black sheep. Right, right. So if you read uh, Genesis, I think it's forty nine. It's when um, Jacob is prophesying. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, oh, prophesying over all of his sons, you know, his 12 sons. Um, he, we, we see the prophecy of the Messiah in there for the tribe of Judah. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting because that's a prophecy over each of his sons. The one over Judah is talking ultimately about Christ being uh, the Messiah in in that prophecy you can look up the specific yeah, verses but when he gets to dan but when he talks about dan he says you will be a serpent in the way mm. um and you will like bite at the heel of the rider who's the rider who's the one who rides the horse christ comes back and rides the horse wait you said um uh, Genesis here, I, found 49? It, I found it no, yeah no, 49, read that. i'll read it uh, starting in verse 16, Dan shall judge his people. This is an amp- actually the Amplified That's version. That's fine. So I, whatever. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a, in brackets, venomous serpent in the way, a fanged snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backwards. Really verse 18, I wait for your, your salvation, O Lord. Right. Really interesting. Because, I mean, some, some theologians talk about this, some... Uh, 
-hmm. scholars talk about this as being a uh, prophecy for the Antichrist. Because if we have the Antichrist, That's uh, I mean, if we have if we have a prophecy about the Messiah in there and other things, it's perfectly plausible mm -hmm. that this is a, a a prophecy pertaining to the Antichrist. But in in the Hebrew, I think it talks about not a uh, not a venomous serpent, but a horned serpent. And if we read Revelation, we see horn as a symbol for sure. for power and authority, but also the serpent as a symbol and an image of Satan all throughout Scripture. Let me see if I can find... Uh, hmm. Really interesting stuff. Um, but again, that ties into lineage and genealogy, like the tribe yeah. of Dan. Yes, right here, right here. So I, I, I switched it to a New American Standard, which is yeah. a little more literal, literal starting in verse 16, uh, 49... Um, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned viper in the path that bites the horse's heels so the rider falls backwards. For your salvation, I wait, Lord. Um, yeah, I, yeah, the so one who, who acts as a judge. It's like, you know, he, like Dan isn't the judge of Israel. He, he, you know, Christ is the judge of Israel. But why does he want to usurp that sort of authority in that it's, position it's, it's interesting like yeah. so there's a lot to this this is I'm, I'm not 100% sold but I'm basically like 75-80% yeah. yeah, yeah. sold that this is a prophecy about together. the Antichrist I sure. think it's like I haven't heard it's anything that really shuts this argument down well, but you know, I've, it's, I've, it's really interesting you know I've always heard oh you know I've heard it back and forth the, you know Antichrist will probably be a Gentile. He'll come out of Rome. He'll be Jewish and you know, or Arab. You know, he'll yeah, be a Muslim. Yeah, yeah. My my thought has always been, okay, but like aliens. If he's <laughs> if he's if he's gonna be a if the Jews are gonna accept him as their Messiah. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't he have to be? He, so <laughs> he's gonna have to have some quote unquote proof because the the. The Jews of today, they so they didn't accept Jesus as their Messiah. Mm. They it's commonly thought that they were expecting a warrior to take over a Messiah Rome. that yeah. would destroy and conquer Israel's enemies. Mm. But they do hold a lot of weight and value and importance in where this Messiah will come from, the lineage. They still believe that their Messiah will come through the line of David. They just missed Jesus. <coughs> it was all out there in the open. Jesus, quote, like, if you're a believing Christian, you, like, the proof is there that Jesus was fulfilling the prophecies. There, there's three specifically, and, yeah, that he did, messianic signs. Yep. The, I'll just list them real quick, but it was the healing, a, a Jewish man born blind, um... Man born blind, uh, exercising a mute demon, was another one because the the Pharisees, with their exorcism practices, that needed the name of the demon, they couldn't get that. And I'm getting this from uh, uh, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. He talks about this. And then the third one was uh, the leper, healing the lepers, because that Exodus, the the whole Exodus Levitical code or the yeah, Levitical code that talks about a cleansed leper had never been done. Until mm. Jesus stepped on mm. the scene, so when he was doing those things, the the fair, the religious the the rulers of Israel had they knew. Okay, he and and here's the thing is he's got something special. He 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 is fulfilling our messianic uh, um, 
signs, but they still rejected him. And they said, he does this by the power of Beelzebub, and Jesus changes his public ministry. I would argue he rescinds the kingdom offer. The kingdom is at hand. He rescinds that, and he has a private ministry. And we see that switch at, like, around Matthew chapter 13. But keep going, Matt. I just wanted uh, to point that out there. I they also knew. argue that they were too focused on uh, events that would be fulfilled in the future. They didn't mm -hmm. grasp that um, Jesus was <clears throat> fulfilling the prophecies of the salvation of mankind. They they were only grasping, well, this is what the prophet said mm. that our Messiah would do to our enemies and the fulfillment of uh, eschatological prophecy. Okay, that, that's interesting, yeah. S so the current, the modern-day <clears throat> Jewish elite, mm. I'm talking about the modern-day Pharisees, the religious leaders, I'm not talking about the Jewish uh, community as a whole. Of course. Hey. Which is an interesting distinction. I I feel like a lot of people don't make number one, but I even see it in the. I want you to keep going, but I, I want to make this distinction. Again. There is a distinction again. Anti-Semitism, right? Um, I know many. I, I'm in fact a little bit Jewish myself, which I found out later in life. But like, there's a lot of people again that I see this in the Bible. Like, there's a verse. I forgot where it is in John, where it's literally the people saying, "Do the rulers not know?" The teachers and the rulers not know that this is the Christ, and the people were the people, the lay people were following Christ, but the rulers chose to not to not accept him. And there's something very important there because it talks about the national, not personal, but national acceptance or rejection of Jesus as the Messiah, and the people in power had to make a choice, and by and large, they did not. And that resulted in the direction of the majority of people followed mm -hmm. that. But I think that that is something we see in the Gospels. Yeah. And we also are seeing today. Because I know a lot of, again, there's there's the majority of Jew, the Jewish the, people do the, not. Yeah, the rulers. But the are, rulers are in a lot of this evil, doing some of this evil. Well, the, I mean, the Jews of Jesus' time, like you <clears> said, <throat> the lay people followed him. They saw the miracles and they were like, this guy is. Many did. Yeah. He's got to be the Messiah. And then the the authorities saw him, and they were like, "Okay, they were like weighing." Well, Nicodemus weighing, was yeah, one well, who did. He said, yeah. "We know you're from God. Yeah, we know that." Like he was among them, he talked with them, mm -hmm. and they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness, and they blasphemed the Holy Spirit by suppressing the Spirit's desire to have them follow Him. Yeah, like yeah. that. It, like it doesn't get more evil than that. Yeah. That is the unforgivable sin by suppressing, blaspheming the Holy Spirit mm. is, is suppressing the Spirit's work in your heart to save you. That's why it's I've, unforgivable. I've heard that. I, like, I've heard that. You can't be forgiven. Yeah. It comes down to choice. Like the Spirit's mm. not going to force His way into your life if you're not willing to let Him make a move in you. I I, I agree with that interpretation. I, the other interpretation I've heard is that. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit has to do with Matthew chapter 13 and the attributing of Jesus's works not to the Holy Spirit, but to Bell's, to Satan. Yes. So I've heard that interpretation That's an too. That's but, an aspect But I do it. think that that interpretation... But it's like, if that comes in, in tandem with suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, Matt, no, you, I, yeah. I would say you, you have to be naive to not... To not think that the devil was working his strings and his plans with those religious leaders mm -hmm. in the well, aspect was, of, I think he deluded them so much and had them focus so much on 
the 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 later the second half of Jesus's prophecy hmm. of being the conquering king, the warrior that would destroy Israel's enemies and bring salvation to Israel through force and might and conquering. Je as we know, Jesus was the lamb that was slain. He saved the world through that peace. But I think the devil deceived and twisted their hearts and minds to only be focusing on the future the whole time. Well, after, keep in mind, they That's were oppressed and ruled by the Roman no. Empire. Yeah. And they were pretty tough. So I think through that, the devil caused calloused hearts and deception and the people, to focus yeah. on, well, that's where, you know, you get the zealot movement, you know. Yeah, exactly, I was going to um, mention that. The Messiah has to free us from the <coughs> Romans. The Messiah has to conquer all of Israel's enemies. Mm -hmm. They weren't really realizing that Jesus did save mankind through conquering the devil and freeing us through his death from yeah. arguably the biggest enemy we have in opposition yeah. so that he he didn't fit I've, I've also heard it said he just didn't fit their paradigm yeah the pharisees their narrative yeah. they're the pharisees wanted a pharisee thinking. that looked like them talked like them dressed like them and i was in new york city not too long ago and yeah. there were stickers everywhere saying the messiah is here and it was some guy with curls and a, yeah and was there a month ago hat. yeah and and it says the Messiah is Saw here. Them all over the Messiah place. Messiah is here. They really believe that that guy yeah. is the Messiah. Yeah. And he looks like them, talks like, you know, what what an orthodox law keeping. He followed the, he didn't go against the, the, uh, the, tal what is the, the, the Talmudic interpretations and the, the law around the law, which is what Jesus went against. Yeah. He says, you know, which one of you would, would, you know, if, if your sheep fell into a, a pit would not go and rescue him, yet you, it is wrong for me to heal this man. <laughs> you know? right. So he, he brought up those nuanced issues where they had put laws where he, you know, you've know you nullified, what is it, the word of God with the with the teachings the of man? Precepts of men. Precepts, precepts of men. Yeah. yeah, it's in Mark, Mark yeah. uh, 10, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's, I love that verse. Such a good verse. And something I'm thinking about listening to you guys talk is how right as Jesus was emerging and displaying himself to the world that's also where the devil was starting to operate and push this narrative that nope this is not the messiah the messiah quote-unquote is mm -hmm. still to come mm. this this simple carpenter this this man doesn't fit the bill and he was targeting the religious leaders yeah because he knew through those religious leaders offspring and schools of thought he he had them won over yeah. You know, so the current religious leaders, they, they're still of the same mind. They're still deceived. Mm. And these works that they hold as truth, like the Talmud. Yeah, Talmud, and, yeah. Um, uh, what are the other ones called? Um, Kabbal um, Kabbalistic. Midrash, I think. Yeah, the Midrash. And well, the Kabbalistic uh, scriptures and ways of thinking. Which is kind of the new age. That, so it's all yeah, of Kabbalah's it's, level. That's yeah. not regular Judaism. But, but that's, that's that's Jewish mysticism, which it's I think much is more mystical linked and to Freemasonry borderline yeah. occult. It, it is occult. It is yeah, occult. I mean, yeah, yeah, but it's like, it's not this, like, for Jews. It's, it's not mainstream not Jewish. Not quite, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. But it's so, linked to it. And so the, the devil put into our heads that you still have to wait. 
the Messiah is still to come, there's going to be two. Messiah ben David, Messiah ben Joseph. Mm -hmm. Messiah ben David will be the warrior, the conqueror, mm -hmm. and Joseph will be like the the spiritual father, the, the peacemaker, the one who organizes and unites the world after David the conqueror comes in and kills all Israel's enemies. It, now that's yeah. only found in the more modern and twisted yeah. ways. I'm sorry to use the word twisted, but it is. It is of the devil. We're looking at this through the lens of biblical Christianity. Sure. Now there are Messianic Jews who believe in Jesus along with us. Of course. There's many Jews. <laughs> there are many Jews who adhere to the Talmud, Kabbalah, and yeah. what I believe originating from the devil himself to deceive. Mm. Alright? So yeah. keep that in mind. But the, the current Jew, uh, leaders of Israel do hold lineage important. They do know that they have to look for someone who comes from the line of David. Mm. Now, this is where it gets uh, juicy a bit. Mm. I think the devil has been, over the decades and the centuries, you know, mixing his pot of lies for the people to be expecting a Messiah that has not come yet, but mm. will be born from the line of David. Mm. Now, circling back, Princess Diana, we watched a clip about her earlier. Mm. She comes from the house of Stuart slash house of Spencer. Now, they trace their lineage back to King David, right? Mm. So, and there are some lies and distortions mixed in there that the devil has done. Sure. But I believe that the future Antichrist, he will display to these leaders, I don't know how he will, it could be through proof of genealogies. Mm. Um, he'll also, you know, obviously use magic and power from the devil. Yeah. But they're Some going to be wonder, hook, yeah. line, and sinker, like bot, like, oh wow, he, he is from the house of David. Mm. He does have that Davidic line. And here's the thing. Some, some of these evil people and these families do come from these tribes of Israel. Mm. They do come from the line of David. But they're missing... The people who are going to be deceived are missing the point. Like, it stopped with Jesus. Mm. Jesus didn't have offspring. Jesus didn't marry. But he had siblings. Mm. You know, there's also a connection of Joseph of Arimathea in there. But over time, you can kind of muddy the water and say, oh, well, actually, Jesus did have kids. Or this this person, Joseph yeah. of Arimathea, did intermarry. Or these siblings did go on and have offspring, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 um, it's just, and that's one of the hard things about, you know, studying this stuff. Is it, it is, it is. It can be complicated, it can be muddied, but at the end of the day, we do know, we see how, I mean, we've talked about this already, but we see the, sim the simple answer is in the simple gospel. Right. And, and so, and, I'm not uh, doing any fortune telling or prophesying here, but in the future, if you see a figure rise that has all the credentials, comes from the line of David, mm. These are the famous people or elite families that he comes from. A lot of the people who are deceived are going to buy it. 
That, that is such a good word, credentials. I, the other pastor I listened to, he said he used the same word. He says he's going to have the right credentials. He's going to have, um, he, he's going to be a a, inf, like an influential world leader. He's going to promise peace. He's going to do these different things, yeah. um, but mm-hmm. in the end, it's all going to be a lie. It's going to be a pact with hell itself when it talks about the yeah. truth of Israel. Now, so, go ahead. So, circling back to Diana, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, do your own research, mm-hmm. look into it. I personally believe that Diana is a descendant of King Arthur. There was some crap that went on there to produce this yeah. false Messianic Davidic line. Now, Diana was a virgin, correct? <clears throat> Based on what I've read, she was a virgin. Mm. Now, in the occult world, it is very important that their messiah, their figure, comes from the virgin goddess Diana. Hmm. Now, not to get too far into it, but it all, like the the Greek, the Roman, the Egyptian, the Babylon, Hmm. it all comes from the same theme. They just had different gods labeled different things, but they were the same figures. Isis. uh, Right. I mean, I don't know all the, but yeah, you can you can so, go through. It's the same the same some, beings. Some of the viewers can kind of anticipate what I'm going to say. I'm not saying that Diana's offspring, William or Harry, is the <coughs> Antichrist, mm-hmm. but I believe that that family carries the blood that the Antichrist will come from. Hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of people I've encountered through this research into Merovingians, the uh, uh, Arthurian, the mm-hmm. um. Uh, view that oh well uh, Prince William must be the Antichrist hmm. no I'm not saying that he's certainly on my list of possible candidates eligible <laughs> candidates yeah but running for office but then you know you're starting to set dates and times and yeah. like yeah. he has kids what if mm-hmm. it's one of his kids what if it's his grandchildren one of his mm. you know offspring from Diana mm. You don't know, but what I'm trying to get at is it's it's wise and it's not wrong to have a basic understanding of where this figure may come from. Sure. Because mm-hmm. as the future unfolds, you can start to see, oh, wow, okay, they're saying this, okay, yeah. I've heard that before. It Basically, the, the, um, the goal of me going on and talking about this is to alert and make the bride of Christ aware. Mm. Not saying it's all 100% true, but the hope is that this will prevent even one individual from eventually being deceived that, oh, this man, mm. world leader, let's just say, for example, maybe it's one of Diana's Bill great, Gates. great, great grandchild or something. Oh, he comes from the line of David. He comes mm-hmm. through sure. the house of Stuart, which goes back to David. Like, oh, everything's there. This must be the Messiah. Mm. So help, helping people see the that connection. Yeah. yeah. Seeing, you don't have to go as full bore into it as I've done. But yeah. just seeing that connection is increasing the percentage of not being deceived. Yeah. 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 The, uh, I, I'm thinking of Matthew 24. You know, um, false prophets come in, false leaders come in Mm. to deceive, if possible, even the elect. You know, the elect was used as a term to describe Jews and those saved by Christ. Mm. It's used as 
you know, both. And so, like, that, that okay. is the purpose okay. of false teachers and false prophets. Yeah. They want to deceive people intentionally away from Christ, away from God. And that's what the man of sin is going to do, ultimately. That's what the Antichrist mm -hmm. is going to do. He's going to fit the bill, and he's going to deceive people, mm -hmm. even the elect if possible. And that gets into another topic, but that's, like... Well, yeah, so... And, and real quick, an interesting yeah. title that King Arthur was given was the once and future king. The Pendragon. Yeah, and... Wait, I heard that in Red, a yep. show not too long ago. Yeah. What the heck? Wow. Red Dragon, there's a whole yeah. lot of other details there, but... Yeah. I don't feel like we need to get into it. Very cool mythology stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the once and future king. Now, there are some theorists who say, oh, well, King Arthur will be reincarnated or he will come out yeah. of the abyss. Yeah. I don't necessarily buy that. But it doesn't mean that generations later or future offspring it may, isn't the Antichrist. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Like... He, through lineages, you know, just because he was given the title the once and future king doesn't mean literally, oh, he's going to die and then rise from the dead and become the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some symbology there at, through generational line. Well, I know that they... C.S. Lewis uses uh, Merlin as a character in <laughs> some of the... He was actually... C.S. Lewis was a, was a scholar on medieval uh, history and... Yep. King Arthur, like really interesting stuff, but that's like a side note. Okay. And just, oh, another little side note, it's interesting that Arthur was, so when I'm looking at the, oh, Arthur was kind of like the milita militaristic leader, and Merlin was his false prophet, kind of paving and, the way yeah. for people to believe the prophet Arthur the was the, the savior that's of an interesting connection in the, the British Celtic land. Mm. Yeah, the Romans, the Romans allegedly hated him. He was yeah. real... He caused some real That's, trouble for them. He was the, he was a hard uh, the a, Romans a thorn blotted, in their side. I believe that the Romans blotted Arthur's name out of history, common believed history. Yeah, he caused a lot of problems for the Roman Empire. Mm. They were trying to conquer and keep control of the British Isles. Mm -hmm. This man Arthur, who I believe is was a true figure, a true person. Oh, well, he was. Yeah, he was born in. Uh, the Cornwall area. Like, if you look at England, there's, like, that little skinny uh, yeah. peninsula. That's where he was from. Hmm. So, based on what I've read, I believe that he was blotted out of the history that the Roman Empire was in control of. Hmm. You know, we look at history today. If you're in control of history and the narrative, you can yeah. blot people out. You can? Yeah. Cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're getting close to, to the end here, and I, I think... We've covered a lot, yeah, a lot of ground, and I think for our listeners out there, again, I think this is a topic that we are, we're just, we want to, we want to spur people's thoughts and ideas about this. Again, you're not asking, we're not asking for conformity. Everything we said is true. This is hard stuff to understand and um, yeah. think about. I mean, like closing thought. I think of Hebrews three thirteen. It says, uh, we want to encourage each other and not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mm. Like, these things are coming at us. We, we, every day we have choices that we have to make. And um, do we choose blessings or curses? Mm. Like, that's what Israel was presented with before they went into the promised land. And 
Um, I, I, I think C.S. Lewis has this really great paragraph talking about genealogies and eschatology and, mm. um, you know, the end times and, like, this whole, this whole thing that we call existence is just kind of a, a, a play, so to speak. Like, whose side are we on? Who's side are we really on? And this is like C.S. Lewis had this uh, uh, amazing quote. I'm going to read it. It's a little long, so bear with me. But it's from his book, Mere Christianity. And so here it is. Uh, When the author walks onto the play, it's over. Mm. God is going to invade, certainly. But what is the good of saying you are on his side then? When you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream or something else. Something is something it never entered your head to conceive comes crashing in. Something so beautiful to some of us and so terrible to others that none of us will have any choice left. For this time, it will be God without disguise. He's the one who comes crashing in. Something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. There is no saying... You choose to lie down when it is, when it has become impossible to stand up. That will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when you discover the side which you have really chosen, whether we realize it before or not. Now, today, this moment is your chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us a chance, and it will not last mm. forever. Amen. We must take it or leave it. Amen. That's that's actually amazing. I love that. I've heard quote. parts of that, but I love never that the quote. complete part. That was t- now is it reminds me today's the day of salvation. And I'm not sure if I'm taking that out of context, but if you hear if the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart, now I mean, is the time when Jesus came on the scene. And I know we got to close things, but like when mm-hmm. Jesus came on the scene, he he used Isaiah. That passage from Isaiah said, "I have come to declare the good day of the Lord." The, the year of Jubilee like and like they ha- he ha- he holds off on the judgment because it's not the time for judgment like if you read that passage in Isaiah it's like blessing like everything's cool and then there's like judgment and it's like oh dang oh yeah he doesn't yeah. he doesn't mention that because that's not his time that's the second coming yeah. like when he steps that's on so true. when he pulls back the curtain dang. when the playwright steps onto the stage everyone knows the play is over and it's done <laughs> and that's what that wow. is what is coming yeah, so the, real good. Um, as we're wrapping up, I just want to point people in the right di- direction. If you if you felt like this was kind of like a, a broad touch on the surface of this topic, mm-hmm. here are a few resources you can go to for further details from writers who know a heck of a lot more than me. Uh, the first book I would look into, Holy Blood, Holy Grail by Leia and... Um, Valiant Lincoln. They also wrote The Messianic Legacy and The Temple and the Lodge. Another few books are Crusaders of the Grail by J.R. Church and The Antichrist King by Juan Carlos. Oh, another another figure to look into is Doc Marquis. He was he's a he was he passed away recently. He was a born again believer who came out of an Illuminati family. He knows the ins and outs of the occult, but the Lord reached his heart, and he began exposing all of this evil stuff. Um, 
another resource you can look into is uh, Geoffrey of Monmouth. He's a 12th century Welsh cleric. He covered the quote-unquote prophecies of Merlin that uh, arose in the uh, 1130s. Now, keep in mind, you know, as you're reading this stuff and as you're looking into this material, keep in mind that not all of it is from a biblical worldview, but it is fairly historically accurate accounts of uh, things going back to Merlin, Arthur, uh, the Great Crusades, the Templars. Maybe we can do a part two to this mm -hmm. video because the Templars yeah. were very pivotal <laughs> in the Grail lineage of yeah. this future Antichrist. So those those uh, sources there. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I, if you made it through this pod podcast, I congratulate you. God bless. And um, <laughs> you know, I I hope that I'm really looking forward to continuing to do this with these guys. I think that. This is an amazing ministry to all of you out there. Um, if you have any feedback, please reach out to us at manualoveridepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I will receive any of your critiques there. Um, and again, thank you for joining us on this episode. Have a wonderful evening or day. Bye-bye. See you.